Hey everybody, welcome back to Season 3, Episode 1 of Elevated Office. Can you believe it? I cannot believe that this podcast has been going three seasons now. So, I want to give a huge shout out of thanks to all of you listeners. Um, You hear me talk about my sponsors quite a bit and um, it's because they're keeping the show going to a large degree and they help me maintain a, a um, practical way of being able to provide stuff to you guys, to review stuff, to make things happen for you guys, the giveaways, all that kind of stuff. But you guys are the ones listening. And can you believe that in August of 2020, so the 30-day period of August 2020, approximately, because that's what my um, podcast app runs on, uh, it said that I had around 800 downloads, okay? And to be fair, I had kind of wavered a little bit. I wasn't as consistent as consistent as I wanted to be with the show and everything like that. But as of the end of December, well, let me rephrase that. As of yesterday, um, to the past 30 days from yesterday, so we're talking, uh, what is today? Today is January uh, 5th. And that would be December. So from December 5th to January 5th, we have had 2,200 downloads in a 30-day period of Elevated Office. That is awesome. I cannot say thank you enough. So as of this point from October 2019 to date, we have had 11,000 plus downloads of the show. That is amazing. Thank you guys so, so much. And here soon, I will actually be doing a special giveaway just because of that. Now, I want to talk to you guys a little bit today about a few things. One is um, going to be an important question that Sai asked me, and I, I apologize, Sai. I have not gotten back to you yet. It's been crazy, and I figured a podcast was the best way to cover your question versus trying to type it all out because, man, it's a very in-depth topic. The question is how to keep yourself in the climbing and tree service game or the arborist game, how to make it a long-term goal and make it practical for the long-term. And then a side note was how do you do this work and still have a life at the end of the day because you're so exhausted and tired. So we're going to talk about that here in just a couple of minutes. But before we do that, I also want to explain to you guys how my giveaways work. So you see all this stuff online and especially on Instagram, it's like tag three people and comment below and da, 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 da. Well, I don't like that. And the reason I don't like that is because I don't find that it creates or builds true communities. It's a bunch of false likes, which yes, you know, makes your number look great and everything. But oftentimes the accounts that I've watched that do that a lot, their numbers fluctuate quite a bit. You get people who, you know, follow hoping they'll win. And then when it's announced and they don't win, a whole bunch of people flee from your account. Okay, fine. That's their way of doing it. I, I you know, it, it's okay. And I'm sure their, their numbers always go up to some degree. But I prefer organic methods better. So I do totally random, unexpected, and unannounced giveaways. Here's the catch, though. If I don't know who you are, If you're not one of my followers, if you're not active in my communities, then I can't pick you even potentially as a giveaway winner because I don't know who you are. 
Um, I give, I give gifts away and prizes away for various things. I hate to call them prizes because they're not really prizes. They're just gifts. Um, I give them away because you were randomly selected by me and I do random, um, aggregations of people's names and then whoever comes up in that, you know, random choice is the one that gets a gift. Or I also do, um, if I feel like you're adding something to my community, if you're supporting me, if you're adding something valuable in general to the Arborist community, then I like to reward that because I think um, positive and non well, criticism isn't bad, but non-critical comments that are, you know, to put people down, I, I, I find that stuff does not help. So I don't reward that stuff. But if you're legitimate, genuine, trying to be kind and, and encourage others to do well and be safe, then sometimes I'm like, hey, I really like what that person said. I think that was really good. I see them commenting all the time. And there you go. I give something away to them. And my sponsors are cool with this. The whole point of this is that I am working with companies that I feel benefit the community and they understand my goals. And because of that, it, it's one of the reasons that I'm so stoked on working with Gap Arbor Supply, for instance. GapArborSupply.com has been with me for two years now. No, I take that back. I'm sorry. We're starting our second year. So one year now. I'm also um, working with WeaverArborist.com. We've been partnered up for a number of months, uh, almost a year, I think. A um, little shy of that. And then I've got Just Send It Sauls and Lucas has been amazing to work with. Uh, been super stoked to to be able to help him out. And he has a lot of cool products that I'm working with. I'm working with the Archer chain right now, which I've been actually liking quite a bit. And also um, the Samura bars, of course, have been uh, everything I thought they would be. They're definitely lighter than OEM bars and they are very durable bars. Um, also I, he sells the West coast saws products. So I, um, have the Bart boxes for the 461 and the 661. And then I also have, uh, the felling dogs for the 461 and the safety pros for the 661 and the felling dogs for the 661. And I'm about to swap the 661 from the safety pros to the felling dogs. So yeah, um, lots of stuff with that. Uh, I'm also, um, I've got the grinder that I'm still going to do a review on. Work slowed down, you know, December and January because of a lot of stuff. Some of it was just this time of year, typically slows down, but also some of it was my truck losing the transmission and then me having to fight around to get all that together. But I'm still going to do a review of the Tecomec uh, grinder, which is the same exact grinder that Oregon uh, rebrands for their own. So that'll be interesting for you guys as well. And, um, of course, Arb shirts is not really a sponsor. I, I say they are kind of, but really what they are is they are an affiliate. Um, on that website, you can go and you can buy anything from the category of elevated office. And if you buy any of that stuff, then I get a small commission from that. I, I make a very small amount from what you guys buy. So that, that helps keep the show going, right? So thank you for everybody who's bought t-shirts on there and hats. Um, I, I really am stoked. I've got a couple of more designs coming out soon. So 
that's how the giveaways and all that kind of stuff go. Uh, just so you know, I, I, I want it to be very clear. Um, it's not really, you can't really win prizes with me. I just decide to give them away to people. Um, and let's see what else. So I've got stuff coming up for giveaways. I've got a Weaver rope bag. I've got two rope bags, in fact. I've got a um, throw weight that I'm going to give away, a throw bag. I've also got a couple of pieces of gear that I'm going to be reviewing and then probably giving away either the one I reviewed or giving away a brand new one. I don't know yet. We'll see about that um, from Weaver. And then I've got some Gap Arbor supply shirts going out to people soon. And I've also got a Samura light bar going out from just send it Sauls. They've been, all of my sponsors have been very willing to help out in this way. And they're, they're really awesome. I'm so stoked to have the people that I work with on the show. Okay. So, um, today we're going to talk a little bit about the endurance game. <laughs> this is a, this is a difficult topic. Um, so once again, I want to make it very well known that I've only been climbing for about three, three and a half years. A lot of people seem to have seem to think I have more experience than I do. Now, I do have more experience than most climbers at three or three and a half years simply because of my other experiences in life. Um, rock climbing, work at heights, uh, sign installation off of cranes varying different things like that. Um, so that's one aspect of it. And I've done just hardcore physical labor most of my life. Uh, that being said, I've also seen the aspect of the corporate side. And with all of this being said, there's a lot of schools of thought on the endurance game. So we'll get into that in one second. The the more immediate question could be for a lot of people, how do I do this work as a groundie or a climber every day and then have the energy to, you know, have an active life outside of work? Well, to, to be honest, that's a very difficult um, answer because there are a lot of guys who are climbers and they're always busy on the weekends and they're always doing physical things and they're always... And that's just who they are. It doesn't matter what they do for a living. They just have that energy and they just have that motivation and they're just going to go do something all the time. And some people are just like that. They just almost never run out of energy, right? Um, on the other hand, I'm not like that. Uh, I, I struggle to have energy after work, to be quite frank. So for me, it's just balancing things. Um, and that's hard. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of days, weekends that I, I want to get stuff done and I'm just so tired. I just don't. But the work that I do and the living I can make for my family is worth it to me. Um, so I've made a sacrifice. I, I don't get to do as much recreationally as I'd like to, but it's totally worth it for the sanity of doing a job that I enjoy and that I feel has a real you know, significance in, um, being beneficial to others and, and being actually helpful versus just the job that, you know, pays a bill, but doesn't really have much of a motivational factor to it. Um, so that's, that's a bit harder. Clearly there are some ways like when I first started doing groundy work and I need to get back to this, but when I first started doing groundy work again, 
here in Colorado. Um, I had gone through a few different jobs. We had um, been back from Chile, South America for a couple of years. And I had just been riding my mountain bike, like not on the road, but like on actual single track, um, which there's a lot of that out here in Western Colorado. I had been riding my mountain bike like four to five times a week. And they were like three hour rides a day. And so I was in really good physical shape and groundy work wasn't that hard. It was hard. I was still coming home tired and things, but I had a lot more energy at the end of the day because my endurance was built up. Now, the reality of it is, is that I can't ride my bike for three hours a day, five days a week for multiple reasons. One, I own a company and my time is just super, um, sapped. And then I'm doing the podcast. Plus I'm a product analyst and a product innovator and a marketer and, and various other things on the side. Um, but two is that by the time I get done working, I just don't have the energy to do three hour rides at a time. However, I do find that if I am active in exercise outside of work, a lot, we, a, a lot of times people use the hashtag paid to work out. And that is true. There is a, a level of fitness that comes along with being a tree guy. Um, if you're, if you're working hard, but let's face it, how many tree guys have you seen? Even some climbers that aren't super lean in shape. It's because your body gets very accustomed to repetitive motions that don't force your body to do certain levels of activity beyond what has become normal for it. So, um, you know, some guys choose different ways. Some guys do like, uh, I've talked to some guys that are doing like CrossFit kind of stuff and they love that. And I've talked to some guys that are doing, um, Pilates, uh, and they love that, or they go for runs in the evening or, you know, there's a, there's a million different ways of working out. Some guys do circuit training, which is kind of like CrossFit, but not quite as extreme at a gym or whatnot. Um, so there's, there's options that, but I will say that the more fit you are, the more endurance you build up through working out, the better longevity you're going to have in the climbing world. And the more of a real life you're going to have after you get done climbing, um, at the end of the day, that's just how it goes. Um, (coughs) beyond that, the long-term game is really complex in reality. A lot of people try to simplify it, but it is complex, but we can put it into simple terms. Okay. Long-term game is. Stay with us. We'll be right back. You love listening to podcasts, but have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? Maybe you want to build a brand, grow your business, or are looking for an excuse to talk about your favorite hobby. Whatever your reason for making a podcast, Buzzsprout is the place to start. Since 2009, Buzzsprout has helped over 300,000 people launch their own podcasts. Buzzsprout walks you step-by-step through the whole process and will give you powerful tools to start, grow, and monetize your podcast. Ready to get started? Click the link in the show notes to get our free step-by-step guide to starting your podcast today. Make sure your body's prepped. It's the most important tool you have. And it's the one tool you cannot replace. Everything else can be replaced. Your body cannot be replaced. It can be repaired to certain levels. It can be recouped to certain levels. 
but it cannot be replaced. And even repairs and recouping as we get older, those things never come back up to the 100% of where you left off. I broke my shoulder, my elbow, and ribs all in one accident on my dirt bike um, about, man, um, seven months ago. And my left shoulder that I broke in my arm still isn't 100%. It's probably at 90 to 95%. I told somebody 98% the other day, but this morning I woke up and it was like really stiff and hard to move and sore. So it's definitely not even 98%, um, maybe 90 to 95%. And I can climb. It doesn't affect me that much climbing, but it does mentally weigh on me a bit because um, I can't, I don't have the strength in that arm like I did to hold on to, to branches like I did, to position myself like I did. Um, just the soreness, especially in the cold weather, uh, deters me from wanting to climb a little bit more, right? Um, all that kind of stuff. And the doctor says it'll never be 100% what it was. Um, I can work it out. I can, you know, do personal therapy on it or whatever. I could go to a physical therapist. I could do whatever, but it won't be what it was. So never take that for granted. It's better to prepare your body by being physically active, doing good actual training routines, not just relying on climbing and picking up heavy wood as training to, to prep your body. And that way your muscles and your tissue and your joints and your ligaments are all moving flexible and strong enough like they need to be to handle those forces that we do. Another big thing is making just simply good decisions about the work that we do. So the more knowledge you have about rigging, the more knowledge and practice you have with climbing, um, the more you analyze and learn from others and from your own experience how to manage things that could reduce potential risks. And let's face it, in this industry, even if you're a bucket operator, there are times when you have to take certain chances that you don't feel super comfortable with but you've got to do it to get the job done. There's no other option that you can see. And the fact of the matter is, is the more mentally prepared, the more education and information you have in your head, the more likely you can make those sketchy decisions and come out of it because you've set everything possible up to the best case potential for success. It's still sketchy. But everything within your control is set to a level of success that is potentially very good, right? So make sure that you're educating yourself and that you're analyzing what you do. I always, I, I climb with a camera a lot, even footage you guys never see. And it's because I am watching what I do. I'm analyzing what I do and why I did it. How, how could I have made that traverse safer? How could I have climbed up to that super sketchy tip on that branch and it been less fatiguing for me? Because you have to understand that fatigue equals injury in a lot of cases. I mean, that's one of the biggest injury causers in any industry that's physical. So knowing that, understanding that, and then being fatigued goes back to being physically fit. The more physically fit you are, the less fatigued you get. And what I find is that like a lot of comp climbers, even if they're not like professional comp climbers, but a lot of comp climbers, they do really well with working full days all week long and not really getting exhausted. 
And the reason is, is because they're training all the time. They're training outside of work for, you know, they're so motivated. And that's where you have to make some decisions. Are you going to, you know, are you going to train and work out the level that you need to? And, and the people who um, seem to do the best with training are multidisciplined. They, they might ride bikes one day. They might jog another day. They might do Pilates one day. They might go to the gym and do, you know, um, some other aspect of circuit training. They might do weights one day or whatever it is. And, and I mean, I know that um, people like Lawrence Schultz um, and Chris, I mean, uh, Chris, Mark Chisholm, and a few others that I've spoken to, um, ArbFit and different guys, they work out regularly, like every morning. If they don't work out, it's like a, a weird deal for them. Um, so, you know, there's a lot to be said. And these guys are good at what they do. I mean, Mark, uh, Mark Chisholm and, and Lawrence have been in this industry for a long time. So when they're talking about working out and the importance of it to, to keep in the game, I would definitely listen to them. And in fact, um, if you go back uh, about a month and a half ago, uh, Lawrence Schultz was on a live Instagram interview. I forgot with who the guys in Japan. I know that. And he's a climber and they talked about this a little bit and you guys should really go listen to that um, IG uh, video. You can go through Lawrence Schultz IG feed and find it. Um, it'll reference it, and then you can go to the guy who actually did the the um, interview, and you can listen to the whole thing on IGTV there. If I find it, I'll put the link in the description of this. But um, so, yeah, Lawrence Schultz, of course, talks about diet. That that is a big thing. You have to figure out a diet that works for you. I've actually changed up my diet recently and noticing a big difference. Um, but each person is different. I want to if. I'm so sorry, Lawrence, if you listen to this and I mistake something. I want to say Lawrence is a vegetarian, if I remember correctly, and he limits his caffeine intake and all that stuff. Now, I got to say, I'm not nearly in the shape that he's in, but I don't do all that stuff either. I, um, I have a very regimented diet now. I'm not sure how well it's going to work, so I'm not really going to go into that. I'm trying to figure all this out a little bit as well. Um, but I have limited my sugar, especially like processed sugars. I also have pretty much cut out soft drinks and all that kind of stuff. The only thing I really drink now, if I'm going to drink anything, is like the... Um, I even swap from Gatorade because Gatorade has... There's a whole debate on, on that. And it's a lot of processed and it's got some um, dextrose, but it's also got some processed sugar in it and stuff like that. And I went to a more expensive Gatorade brand drink, which is their endurance drink. It doesn't have the dyes and stuff in it and it has more electrolytes and I need the electrolytes. So one thing for me is another, well, let me get into that then. So you have your diet. Um, but like you also just need to understand your body. So like your diet is a big part of that. What diet works for one person may not work for another person at all. Um, so you need to figure out what works for you, what gives you the energy you need without consuming too much sugar and stuff that will actually slow your body down because it can. Um, I drink way too much coffee. I know that, but it's probably not going to stop. I'm willing to make that sacrifice, 
but I've sacrificed other things. And that's okay too. Um, it's working for me. Uh, but I know my body. And one of the things I know is that I have electrolyte problems. Um, I get dehydrated very easily and I lose minerals very easily. So I have to drink a lot of electrolytes and I have to stay on top of being hydrated, especially out here in Colorado where it's a very dry heat a lot of times. So it might be 90 degrees, but it's like really, really hot. It's, and you're sweating, um, you're, you're sweating so bad and the dry heat is so bad that it actually is evaporating off of you faster than you can realize it. So, um, it's, it's gotta be a balance. You've got to kind of know yourself and you've got to know what works for you. Some of it's just playing around with options. You, you try a diet for a while. You don't like it. You try a workout routine. You don't like it. You try this. You don't like it. You do that. You don't like it until you figure out the combination of things that actually works for you. And, and that's the best option that you can really have is just figuring out what works for you. Now, I still say the number one career killer in the industry is just simply not making good decisions. One bad accident clearly can ruin your career. doesn't matter if you've been in the industry for three years or 23 years. It doesn't matter. If you make a bad decision because you're not educated or because you haven't practiced or because you're being rushed and pressured and whatever, then that can end your career. So for a lot of people, it's just that education, practice, um, not being a hotshot, don't be prideful, don't be arrogant, don't do stuff to try to impress just because you think you can. Um, fight the urge for the dollar. Um, and I, I say that because a lot of guys, they're trying to get a job done fast enough to make the amount of money that they wanted to make or felt like they needed to make. And then they make a stupid mistake and it injures them or it kills them. And that wasn't worth it at all. Um, so try to keep as much low pressure in your life as you can, especially as a climber. And if you're often on ropes for rope handling, then as a rigging rope handler, keep the pressure out of your, your, your life. If you need medicine to help, um, keep you stable emotionally, then maybe that's what you need to do because uh, somebody who is super amped on anxiety or adrenaline, um, that, doesn't need to be, isn't usually a good combination for long-term longevity and safety. So um, do what you, you need to do to keep your mind calm and collected. And if you're having a bad day and you just can't get your head clear, you need to talk about it with your climber and your crew uh, and see what they can do. Maybe they can take smaller pieces for you that day. Um, maybe somebody else can run ropes for you that day or whatever, but all of that stuff adds up to being long time served in the industry. Uh, there's not a, there's not a special magical answer. Um, it would be nice if there was, what do you drink? Oh, I drink this drink. Oh, awesome. Then now that I have this drink, I am, you know, I, I can go all day long, have all the energy I need not be sore at night. And, and here's another thing. Um, I think there's a misnomer with the soreness factor. Uh, I think some people think that when you've worked out for many years consistently, when you've climbed for many years consistently, you don't get sore anymore. But that's not true. Um, tendonitis and repetition, does, you know, um, 
ailments, uh, what are they called, um, disorders, are common. So tendonitis in your hands or arms, shoulders, uh, you know, figuring out what equipment you can use to help eliminate that kind of stuff. So for me, I've gone um, to using battery-powered top handle saws for climbing a lot because I like the fact that I don't have to pull stardom in the tree all the time. Um, it just reduces a lot of wear on my arms. And I've gone to um, different methods, like I'm getting a Echo 501P that's fully built, and I'm going to run a 20-inch bar on it. And it's a lighter weight saw than some of the other options out there. And for me, two or three, you know, five, two to five pounds, anything above two pounds of weight reduction on a saw is a big deal to me. Just point blank. Um, and I'm going to start considering, you know, I, I mean, I'm 40 years old. Can I, or 30, I'm, I don't know what I am, 39 years old. It, it, can I reduce weights on things and, and, and make this work better for me? Um, and, and reduce the amount of climbing weight because not a lot of people think about your arms and stuff. And that's true. It does affect your arms with the weight of saws and things. But I think about my hips, um, the, the, the saw hanging on my hip, um, racked on me. And so now I've rethought my gear, like how much gear do I have on my saddle and what do I really need? And and over the years, I've kind of refined it down to a a few key things that I need or want. And I use those a bit, but so it's, it's all this minute stuff, like one pair of boots over another pair of boots. They're heavier. If I'm going to be wearing them every day of my life, I, and I can buy yet another pair of boots that are equally good, but a little bit more expensive, but they're lighter. Um, I'm probably going to go with a lighter pair because my knees are getting shot and that lighter pair of boots makes a difference. And then you get into carbon fiber spurs and spikes versus steel and aluminum. And so I'm still climbing, for instance, on steel shanks. But the thing about it is, is that I don't do a ton of spur climbing. Um, if I did, like carbon fibers would definitely, or titaniums would definitely be worth it to me, but I don't, I don't do enough, um, at least aluminums, but to be honest, I don't find a ton of weight reduction in the aluminums. So, um, even though Weaver is a sponsor of mine, I want you to know, I bought these Weaver pro cool pads before they sponsored me. And I was impressed with them because they were lighter weight than the Buckingham big buck pads that I had at the time. The big buck pads were a good pound and a half heavier, uh, approximately. Um, Maybe not that much, but it felt like it. It made a huge difference for me. Climbing in the weavers, also they they made me more comfortable because they were cooler on my legs and things. And all that, I think all of that has to play, you know, it plays a part in longevity of you being in the industry. Um, Same reason that I don't buy the cheaper chainsaw pants. I'm not saying they don't work. A lot of them work, and technically you can climb in all of them. I mean, I've climbed in the Husky Forester pants that aren't quite the technical climbing pants, but they were heavy, they were hot, they were uncomfortable, and and I found that I just kind of dreaded wearing them in the summer day after day. So when I found the um, Clogger Zero, especially the Mark II, I was like, dude, this is awesome. And now I'm climbing in the Ascend uh, Mark IIs, uh, for the winter, and they're all equally great. They're a little bit heavier than the 
uh, zeros I feel. I haven't done a weight comparison, but I do feel like they're a little heavier. But um, And I wouldn't wear them in the spring or summer for me personally. I don't even wear them in the fall. They're strictly winter pants for me. But I do find that they help with me being more comfortable and not feeling overweighted or extremely uncomfortable. And that motivates me to climb more and, and get more done on the ground and, and things. So, yeah, I don't know if this really answers anybody's questions. But I, I do think that the basics of it are find a diet that works for you. Get in a good exercise routine outside of work, even if it's only 30 minutes or 40 minutes a day. And that's what I'm trying to do, especially more so. Um, I, I've been trying for a while and just been distracted, but um, I'm trying even more so now. I have been for the past uh, few weeks to, to get something set up in a way that's beneficial. And then um, also make sure that you are educating yourself. Um, look at equipment that some people call ridiculous. It, they, a lot of people say, oh, that piece of equipment's a gimmick. It's ridiculous. But honestly, if it saves me from having to tie a knot and I can use it, for instance, or if it saves me um, just a few seconds on everything after I do that thousands of times a year or hundreds of times a year, depending on what it is, to me, that's worth it a lot of times. It depends. But anything that makes me have to do less motion throughout the day in certain ways always is something that I'm going to consider. I'm not saying I'll go with it always. There's sometimes you just can't beat old fashioned. So just know that don't, don't get me wrong. Sometimes you can't beat it. But for, for instance, for me, one thing that is super simple is instead of me girth hitching my, um, chainsaw lanyard to the back of my chainsaw, I always use a carabiner to connect my chainsaw lanyard to my, um, ring on my, or, you know, the lanyard clip on my saw. Reason being is that I found that the rings, I have to fight a little bit more to get them on the um, rack, uh, but a carabiner, super easy to rack and unrack that thing. I, I It's way faster for me. I, I fiddle with my arm a lot less trying to get it on and things and awkward, especially like out of position um, situations where I'm hanging up under a limb or sprawled out in the air between a V-rig or something like that. And for me, it's totally worth the slight inconvenience of headspace that the carabiner um, provides or twigs hanging up every once in a while on it or whatnot to have that carabiner there. It, to me, it just makes sense. But that's just me. That's what works for me. And that's where we all have to figure out what works for us. Another huge thing are the straps on my spikes. I went from the traditional, you know, perforated belt looking straps to all Velcro and pre like the, the cinching buckle straps that I can adjust. And while in the tree, when they work a little loose, I just cinch them down again and I'm good. I, and if I climb on my spikes all day long, I might have to adjust my um, straps once, once that's it all through the whole time. So um, I think that all of that is very important. And I think that it all plays a part in the longevity of your career in the climbing industry. Um, my next goal is to look at uh, suspenders that don't hurt my shoulders and that are not elastic. I do not like elastic suspenders because, um, especially on the tree motion, when you have it further down on your hips, 
when you take a big saw off, then the suspenders pull the saddle up in an uncomfortable position. When you have a big saw on, they pull it down. It's just uncomfortable. So I like static webbing straps um, on my chest and suspender, my chest harness and suspenders. So I'm looking at finding the option that I want for that. And we're working um, on a couple ideas. And um, yeah, it's. I think a lot of it all just plays into, once again, the recap is, uh, making sure that you have a good diet, making sure that you are exercising frequently enough, making sure that you're educating yourself so that you can make safest possible scenario decisions. And then, you know, just finding the gear that works for you to keep those minor annoyances out of your mind and helps you be less, less fatigued throughout climbing situations, right? I have some gear that I only climb on, uh, only put on my saddle for climbing for very specific situations. Other pieces of gear, like my little Petzl Basic um, uh, Ascender with a revolver carabine is always on my, carabiner is always on my saddle because I use that three to one uh, setup so frequently in DDRT and in um, SRT climbing just for reducing that fit, that fatigue on my arms of pulling myself up. Yeah, there's more repeti- repetitions that you have to do it more frequently, um, but I don't have to haul as much weight at one time. Um, just because it's not on my saddle means I use it every time either. It just stays there because I can use it on my lanyards. I can use it on my rope. I can use it um, to tension up things. If I'm not having to pull a ton of weight, it becomes a good three to one. There's just so many uses for it. And that thing has saved me so much frustration, fatigue, and, you know, um, wear on my body. It's just totally worth it to me. So that's just one example, right? And and I hope this helps you guys out. I hope I didn't bore you to death uh, with all this information. And I'm so glad to be able to release to you guys season three, episode one about the longevity of climbing climbing and how to make your career a long one. At least these are some concepts to use. I'm not saying they're guaranteed. Um, Some people just can't handle it. That's just how it is. And no matter what they do, they won't be able to handle it. So if you're one of those people, you know, it is what it is. Uh, Find the career that you can do and enjoy it. Until you do, though, I encourage everybody, no matter if you're on the ground or in the tree, please, please, educate yourself and be safe. All right. Thanks for stopping by and listening to this episode. Also, please don't forget to stop by and check out my sponsors, gaparborsupply.com, weaverarborist.com, arbshirts.com, and justsenditsauls.com. All right, guys. Talk to you in the next one.